the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hello, family. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Sunday evening, we appreciate you listening. I am enjoying the study of Matthew. We're doing it in our Bible study. I know I've told you that before. We're studying Matthew 24. This is lesson number 10, and it is so interesting. You know, basically, we are gone. The church is gone at this point, but a lot of the warnings that Jesus gives about what will be taking place are happening already. So we take them uh, for the church. You know, if there's warnings in the Bible... That means that trouble is coming. You know, people think that, well, like, oh, you can't lose your salvation. Many of you may think that. And yet there's so many warnings that you need to be careful because uh, you are at risk. Your souls are at risk. You know, Hebrews talks about cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. But he that will come will come and shall not tarry. But the just shall live by faith, for if any man goes back, if any man turns back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, saith the Lord. And so our faith is so that we can save, but we are not those so that we can guard our souls. That's what our faith, the end result of our faith is not to accumulate things. It's so that we can guard our souls. So if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, saith him, the Lord. But we are not those that draw back unto sin, but we are those that believe to the saving of our souls. Our faith is to ensure the salvation of your soul. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's free. I just threw that in there. That's in another lesson. I think we did that one already. So we finished up the other day on Matthew 24, verse 29, talking about where the powers of heaven will be shaken and the sun will not give its light. The moon, which is a reflection of the sun's light, will not give light. And so we're going to pick up in verse 30. And let's see the comments here. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. All the forces of energy that are here called powers of the heavens, which hold everything in space. Remember, Jesus Christ, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He also sustains everything. And so verse 29 refers to the cataclysmic upheaval in the universe, of course, ruled and governed and guided by Christ. And so no matter how scientific people think they can explain things, it's just a withdrawal of a small part of God's sustaining power that's going to lead to this cataclysmic result in the solar system. His supernatural control of what he is disintegrating, but it's under control. It's an organized falling of stars. It's an organized shutting down of the sun. The earth is moving. Mountains are moving. It's amazing. Islands are being moved. But his sovereign power will preserve and restore it. 
and its people as he prepares to establish it for his millennial kingdom. I am so looking forward to that. So the return of Christ has unimaginable results throughout our universe. Least of these is his destruction and judgment of sinful man by his mere presence. So yes, obviously his presence is going to affect everything that man has ever seen. There's no place to hide, no place to run, no excuses can be made, no safety can be found. Everything that man has ever trusted in is about to be destroyed at his return. Every sin-damaged organism and sin-ravaged entity will be restructured during the millennial to go back to its sinless state for the purposes and the glory of God. Hallelujah. And we, the people of God, will be around to witness it all. Verse 30, Matthew twenty-four thirty. And then, after you see this catastrophe going on in the heavens, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all of the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Oh, that is so good. Hallelujah. The first time that Jesus came, right, he came to man. God used man, specifically John the Baptist, to announce the arrival of the Messiah. Most missed it, and most denied the truth of it, and most refused to accept it. Well, this time, when he returns, he will be using the universe, the gifts of his creation, to make known to man and every living thing, announcing that the Lord of creation is about to take a seat on his throne. And this time, no one will miss Anything that's happening. Why? Because every eye shall see him. Every eye of every man, woman, and child, every eye of every bird, every eye of every creature, every fish, every bug, every eye of every demon that's in the pit, that's in hell, everyone in hell, every eye, every creature that has sight. None will miss this appearing. None will deny it. None will have anything to say concerning it. And Bonus, we will be with him. Hallelujah. The sign, and then shall appear the sign of the sun in heaven. There's so many opinions about what that sign would be. Uh, MacArthur keeps it simple. Let's just take it at face value. There's debate over the specific identification of the sign. But if one takes Jesus' words at face value, the answer is obvious. The sign of the Son of Man coming is the Son of Man himself, coming in the clouds with power and great glory. McCarthy says it like this, the sign of the signs will be the Son of Man himself who will appear in the sky. Many of the early church fathers, such as Chrysostom, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem, and Origen, imagined that this sign would be an enormous blazing cross visible to the entire world that would pierce the total darkness, then shrouding the world. Well, that's just speculation, but let's just stick to the Word. The Word will reveal truth to be Christ himself. He is the sign. Pure light into the total darkness that will be enveloping the earth. This light will be impossible not to see. Let me get you back to where we are. Don't forget, the sun no longer gives its light. That means the moon has no light. Stars are falling from the sky. I don't know if that's talking about comets or what, but there's no light on the earth. Light is gone. And that's why it's so interesting that light is returning. He is the light of the world, literally, at this point in time. And so if there's no light on the earth, what else isn't there? There's no heat. He is returning to a cold, dark place. Satan has destroyed it. I'm reminded of the time when it said that, and the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the earth. Well, Basically, we've gone back to there. Man, through Satan, has or rather Satan, through man, has succeeded in bringing back earth to its formless, void state. 
So the sun shall not give her light, the moon has nothing to reflect, the stars are falling, the world is quite dark, and it's into this pit of darkness. The brightest light that could ever be is coming. Satan has the world just where he wants it. But God, hallelujah. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, talking about the Antichrist, Satan and the Antichrist, and then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and catch this, and he shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. You know how it is when you've been in total darkness and then suddenly you're hit with light. I imagine this is going to be bang, bang. You know, the world is dark and then bang, it's light. And people are going to be blinded. Demon forces are just going to be so, uh, what's the word, so destroyed by this sudden brightness. Because they like darkness, right? Cockroaches, they hide in the dark. Well, demons, they hide in the dark. They do their best business in the dark. Someone wrote it like this. I neglected to give them credit. They will see... The word is horeo, and it means to see with the eyes and to perceive what one sees. Thus, they will understand the significance of the sign of the Son of Man and what is transpiring, and this will result in mourning by man. We see that. Uh, The wicked one shall be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. They shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, and all the earth will mourn. There will be wailing. There will be gnashing of teeth. The Bible talks about this. There will be no double vision or blurring on this day. The vision of the king will be clear. No one will be texting. All eyes will be on the king. And every sinner will be exposed to that light of the world, John 8:12, And they will mourn as they begin to fully grasp that their eternal destiny will be hell. What a terrible, terrible time. Verse 31 And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. People think, a lot of people, I thought this for years that this was a rapture scripture, but it's not. It's got nothing to do with the rapture. Jesus does not talk about the rapture in Matthew 24 at all. The Amplified Classic says it like this, And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect, his chosen ones, from the four winds, even from the four corners of heaven. Some have tried to make this a rapture scripture, but it's not. For several reasons, it's not. Let me give you a couple of reasons. First, context. Jesus is continuing on in his narrative about his return. The rapture took place seven years earlier to this. He is answering the disciples' question. The event that immediately follows the tribulation is his return. Notice, here the angels are doing the gathering, right? In the rapture, it's Christ who gathers. He does the gathering. Let's compare the two verses. We just read that here, that he shall send his angels. And in 1 Thessalonians, this is a rapture scripture, chapter 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Whereas in verse 31 of Matthew 24, the Bible says, he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Back to verse 1 Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall send from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, this is the rapture, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them who, the dead in Christ, in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with him. The Lord himself shall descend, this is, uh, this is not a scripture, <laughs> the Lord himself shall descend, then the dead in Christ and we which remain meet the Lord in the air. In Matthew 24, Jesus sends his angels for us. That's a marked difference than meeting Jesus in the air. Next, the angels gather his elect from the four corners, the four directions of the earth, north, south, east, and west, and 
from one end of heaven to the other. Well, saints that will be raptured are not in heaven. They're on the ground. They're on the earth. They haven't gotten heaven yet. Yet here it says he's gonna. the angels are going to be gathering people out of heaven as well as on the earth. There's no need to bring the saints that are already in heaven to the earth. No. They're already there. So this is definitely something else rather than the rapture. The Amplified Classic translation reads, one end of the universe to the other. That's where the angels are gathering from. Well, mankind on the earth is not one end of the universe to the other, right? This is most definitely nothing similar to anything resembling the rapture. Well, what is it then? Well, this is great. It's just what Jesus told us it would be in Matthew thirteen thirty-nine. The enemy that sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. This is exactly how it would happen. Jesus told us it would happen in Matthew. I think he even says it in either Mark or Luke. This is the end of the world harvest time. The angels are gathering the righteous from wherever they are. We know the church is in heaven. We know the believing Jews are in heaven. We know the old-time prophets and uh, priests are in heaven, the Jews. We know that there are more believers on the earth at this time. This is what the four corners of the wind signifies, that they're going to be gathered from the earth also. They, too, will be gathered by the angels with the righteous in heaven for the return of Christ. I'll read you those verses. Let's see. Matthew 13, verses 39 through 43. Remember, he's talking about the parable of the, um, remember, the guys were uh, working for the master, and then they woke up. There's weeds, there's tares, and they said, hey, master, somebody sold uh, some tares. And he goes, yeah, the enemy did this while we slept. And he goes, shall we take out the tares? And he says, no, leave them in there. So let me read that to you. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. That's what Jesus is talking about. Then the Lord shall send the angels. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And he shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Remember, there are many counterfeits in the kingdom of heaven at this time. Remember, he said, don't take the tares out. Leave them in until the end when the angels will take them out, gather them together and burn them. That is what Matthew 24 verse 31 is talking about. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. So we've got the Lord appearing, returning. He's bringing back his angels. The end time harvest is taking place. He has not sent the angels before this to separate the wheat and the chaff, but now he is about to do that. He is prepared to establish his kingdom of heaven on earth. All things that offend and sin will be removed and they will not enter into his millennial reign during this time on earth. All mankind who has ever lived will be present at his return. It's judgment day. The king is here and it's time to give an account for our lives. Verses uh, 32 and 34, we can take these together in Matthew. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So likewise, you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors or on the doors or about the doors. The door is about to be opened. Verse 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. It's at this point in Jesus' narrative, Jesus' sermon on the mount, that he gives them a picture that will help those who are alive at this time 
discern the season and the time. He uses the parable. Do you remember why he uses the parable? Why he talks in parables? Remember the disciples asked him? Mark 4.11, and he said unto the disciples, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, outside, all these things are done in parables. Certain information is given to God's people alone. Those who aren't called don't get to hear or know what God gives to those who are called. It should keep us centered on the gospel message to the lost repent. We want to get them out of their uh, state of being dead to the things of God and bring them into the kingdom. But it should also keep us compassionate towards them because they don't understand these parables. And they never will unless they become born again. You are highly privileged, guys, to hear and understand the Bible. Don't ever take that for granted. In verse 32, Jesus is now in teaching mode. He says, learn. I am about to teach you something that will help help you during this time. The Greek word for learn is manthano, and it means to generally understand and accept a teaching, to accept it as true, and then to apply it in one's life. Well, what does Jesus wish them to learn? He wants them to learn about the fig tree. The fig tree has often been related to Israel. It was used as a symbol of Israel, but that doesn't seem to be in view here. Remember, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to knowledge, to know the mystery of the kingdom. He's explaining the parable about the fig tree to them. And he talks about it, that this fig tree uses it as an example. We're not talking about Israel now in the fig tree. We are talking about the tree, the figs in its treeness. Okay, it's a tree. And he's going to use it as an example to explain something to them. Uh, Learn about the fig tree. The fig tree is not related to Israel here. Somebody wrote this. Who is this? Nelson. He says, just as the budding fig tree inevitably results in a harvest of figs, so the events of Matthew 24, the first uh, verses 4 through 25, they will inevitably usher in the judgment of the Son of Man at his coming. This generation will pass away in judgment when Christ returns. But Matthew extends that promise that Israel will be preserved until they will enter into the kingdom. So now the branch is tender and it's putting forth leaves. That would be comparable to all the events in which we have read so far in chapter 24, the first 25 verses, right? That is what Jesus is telling them to learn from. Look at what's happening there. Look what I've just told you in these verse, in verses 4 through 25. What's happening to the tree tells us something. Yes, the fig tree that tells them what? That summer is near. If we will watch the fig tree, we will learn that summer is near. In the same way, if we are watching the signs in the world, we will know that his return is near. This is so exciting, and that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I know. I go back to the rebirth of Israel, May 14th, 1948, and I am looking intently about what's going on, the apostasy, the false apostles, the false doctrines, the false teaching, the... Uh, the wars, the rumors of wars, everything that Jesus talked about, the lawlessness throughout uh, the world, even especially in America, these are all signs. This is the fig tree that we're watching. And we have to come to the conclusion that the return of Christ is near. Verse 33, So likewise you, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. But whereas the fig tree, guys, points to summer, These signs tell us the return of the king is no longer near. It is here. It's not just some of these things. It's seeing all these things. 
Verse 33, so likewise you, when you see all these things, they're all in play. The famine, the rumors of war, the the persecution on the church, the lawlessness, the rebirth of Israel. It's all in play, and it's all giving us the message his return is near. Folks, he's at the doors. This is the very last opportunity to know him as Lord before you meet him as judge. You must make that choice. Verse 34, truly, truly, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things have been fulfilled. The simple and most reasonable interpretation that the leaves of the fig tree represent the birth pains and the other signs of his coming, Jesus is mentioned in this chapter. And then he says, this generation refers to the people living at the end time who will view those signs. Basically, Jesus refers to the generation of people who will be alive at his return. I agree with that. Some begin counting down that generation from the time of the birth of Israel, May 14, 1948. If that were to be true, and the birth of Israel, May 14, 1948, starts the last generation, then basically this being 2023, that means we are 75 years into that last generation. Now, it's been written that right before Christ's return, things would be accelerated in their timing. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, but the days and the years and the months and the weeks, they seem to be moving more rapidly, right? They're just going more quickly. Look about it. In the book of Revelation, right? You had the seven seals, right? And they were opened probably over a period of a year or two, maybe even three years. It took them to open all seven The trumpets, which came after the seals, they were probably opened up within a period of a few months. And then finally, you've got the bowls or the vials, and they were opened within a matter of weeks, perhaps even days. Romans 9.28 kind of explains this. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, talking about God. God will finish the work and he will cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And I'm going to add, as we get close to the judgment, Uh, another translation says it this way, which is really good. Because the Lord does what he says completely and quickly. Once we are in the time where the apostasy is here, once we are in the time when Israel has been reborn, once we are in the time marked by lawlessness and great apostasy, Once we are in the time where the spirit of Antichrist seems to be dominant in the earth today, once we are in the time where people start living by deception rather than faith, where they are living in rebellion rather than in obedience to God's laws, once we are in the time where morality has fallen across the board, once we're in a time where the ungodly everywhere are running things, Things will move more quickly than they ever have before. That's what that verse in Romans talks about. That's why we are not only going downhill, we are racing downhill. We are about to be removed as a church body. We are about to enter into the rule and reign of the Antichrist on the earth as soon as that takes place. You must make the decision today. Where will you be? Where will you spend eternity? You have that option. 
You've had that option for 2,000 years since Christ came and he died and paid the penalty for our sins. His love has always been manifested by what he did for us. And his people, the church, the true church, the true people of God, the true apostles, the true prophets, the true uh, evangelists, the pastors and the teachers are called by God to love you with those truths. That's been under assault. I understand that. It's difficult. You can't always get the true message. But it's been written. It's in the Bible. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise from God. You can take that to the bank. I'm going to pray today before I go that you would make that decision. Even those of you who have already made that decision, there's the rapture coming and you must be ready. You must be praying. You must be seeking God. You must be talking to God. You must be interceding for the lost. You must be loving your family with the truth. Father, I pray for those in the sound of my voice, Father God, that you're touching their hearts today, that you're pricking their hearts, Father God, that you're convicting those that don't know you. Today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray for their souls. I rebuke satanic, demonic activity over their lives in Jesus' name. I pray for their families, Father God. Believe on the Lord. Your whole house shall be saved. You can take your loved ones with you, saints. Just believe that what God said is true. The promises of God are yea and amen. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and the knowledge of the truth. I pray that that's you. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.